This is Beekeeper Confidential, a show about the curious lives of bees and their beekeepers. I'm your host, Mandy Shaw. I am so excited for today's show. I invited our guest on sometime last year, but she was a really busy bee and politely declined my request. But I let her know that the invitation was open because I really wanted to visit with her and learn more about her farm and her beekeeping and her incredible photography. But life gets busy, so I completely understood. She and I kept up on social media though, and one day she sent me a message saying that she was ready to join me for an episode. I enjoyed our talk so much that I did not want to cut anything out. So I'm making this a two-part feature. Delivering some Oprah Winfrey realness, she and I open up about some very personal struggles and how working with bees is the centering force that keeps us fabulous. Joining us from her 13-acre farm in West Michigan, please turn it up for Rhoda Shope of Indigo Acres Apiary. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Awesome. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, so what do you have going on this morning? Um, first, I'm so excited. This is like, I realized today, I'm like, I get to sit down and like talk to a human being and just relax. So you're like my self-care today. We're I'm like so having coffee together, just chatting <laughs> about bees. <laughs> um, it's a privilege so, to be part of your self-care, so thank you. <laughs> so my days are pretty much, well, depending on the season, of course, the same. I get up, get the teenagers off to school, and then head up to the barn. So we have um, a hobby farm. Hmm. A hundred critters now. Oh. We had more. Um, we, have, we have a horse and a mini donkey and goats and baby doll sheep and chickens and ducks. Oh, we had gosh. about a hundred free range chickens in our flock, but we've had a major fox issue. Oh. So we've lost about half of our girls oh, this no. season, which has been very, no matter, we want them to free range. I think that's very important. Um, that's why we have chickens and, of course, our perimeter is fenced in and we have lots of protection put in place for them, but this season, back behind our acreage, there's been a new development being built, and that's kind of pushed the wildlife, of course, Aww. to where they can still survive, which is our back acreage. And so um, we've had more issues with predator like fox wanting to um, munch on our yummy chickens. Wow. Oh, that's so sad, but they're just trying to survive. They are, and I'm like, at least if you're going to kill it, please eat it. Please take it with you. Yeah. Then at least you feel a little better about, you know, it going going back to nature. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so with your farm, when did bees enter the picture? Well, um, Indigo Acres were established in um, 2014, and it's, 
you know, people ask that question, when, when did you start? When did you want to become a beekeeper? Mm-hmm. And I say, well, when I was about eight, oh. um, my dad was an avid gardener and he would come home from work and grab his hoe and he would head out to the garden. And that was kind of his stress release from work. He would hold the garden and I would follow him out there because I just, I love to, to play out there. I was always a nature girl. I was always in the woods and I would grab my camera, the little Kodak cameras where, you know, you spent all your money to buy the film and you <laughs> took all the pictures of bumblebees on zinnias and you waited for them to be developed and they came back and they were all blurry. Oh. But, um, you know, then there, you know, I had a simple camera and, you know, it, the technology wasn't what it is today. Thank goodness for digital photography. <laughs> Your photography is stellar. Your pictures oh, that you, you post online are just absolutely gorgeous. I um, I never gave up. I persevered. <laughs> Even as a kid, it was like I saved my money again for more film and more film and always to come back blurry. You know, it, it proves that practice, you know, makes perfect or, you know, <laughs> at least you can improve because... um. I've just always had that draw to nature and yeah. and the little things in nature, um, like the bumblebees on a zinnia or frogs and toads. I've always been that kind of a kid. And even now, that, that kid still lives within me, I guess. So um, <laughs> I was an elementary educator for over 20 years and had a passion, still have a passion for just kids and education. And But there was a point that I said, God, I, I think it's when I turned 40. And I turned 40. Back um, in eleven eleven, and I said, "Goodness, what do I want to do with the rest of my life?" It's kind of it was an awakening for me, and you know, teaching is exhausted, and you never you're never done, and there's so much on your plate, and I kind of was tired. I'll admit it, and at the time, I would have never admitted it, but I can look back and say I was tired, and yeah. so I said, "You know, I'm going to follow some of my other dreams too," and I took a year leave of, of absence and said, "I'm going to." build that barn and get some animals and start some beehives and just let it organically become what it will. And I'm a planner, type A personality, and I um, I said, this one, I'm going to really try to just live for the moment, one day at a time, and let it become what it's going to become. And here I am. <laughs> How big is your farm? I mean, when I look at pictures of it, I see what looks to be dozens of beehives and vast flower gardens and seating areas. It looks like a magical place, (laughs) like a tourist destination. We felt when we built the barn and kind of started this new adventure, we knew that once you have animals, um, it's difficult to travel. And I love your travel. So I knew that was something that was going to have to go a bit on the wayside. So our philosophy was, let's create our staycation. All the things that we love in life right here on our 13 acres in West Michigan. So that's when we said, okay, we'll build a barn and get our fuzzy critters that we love and be able to have those fresh eggs and um, let them free range the way, you know, chickens should live. And I've been an avid gardener thanks to my, my dad and what I learned from him my whole life. So Love growing my own fruits and vegetables and, and of course, perennials and herbs and flower gardening has been, I can't remember a time I wasn't doing those things. So when we started adding the bees, which right now we're at 17 colonies, 
Um, and I just started playing with, you know, rearing my own queens. So that's been exciting. I love that. But with the hopes to expand, I don't know, my family says, Mom, when is enough enough? <laughs> no, and I ask myself that too because I'm kind of an all or nothing person. Yeah. But I really, I decide that I want to on our acreage be able, it's not just about the bees, it's about the plants that sustain them. And so I want to have a balance. I don't want them to have to, you know, forage two miles away if they don't have to. Mm -hmm. So it's truly naturalizing our property. You know, over half of it is natural, either wooded or meadows. We have a natural pond. Um, All of the great things that benefit them, but then truly adding and planting for them. I mean, you, you have cultivated such a paradise. I think that's very inspiring. It's it's fun. So my number in my head, I guess, is maybe 30. Mm-hmm. Um, ask me in a couple of years. We'll see what yeah. Well, bee math is an interesting thing, isn't it? <laughs> I started oh. in my first year, I had five colonies and I am just finishing up my fourth year and I have 20 and I am projecting to grow to possibly 30 next year but I don't have 13 acres so I have to spread my bees around town which is hard because I don't get to see them all the time and like one of the places is a rooftop I can't cultivate that space the way that I want to right it's um I can't imagine you know your days just in and out of a car I look at just when I I load my gator up Uh oh you have a fuzzy oh it's yes that's Winnie (laughs) (laughs) she is very sensitive to any kind of activity outside and we even put like vinyl film on the windows to sort of distort what we can see out the windows but if she sees any movement or sometimes no movement at all she starts barking and then has to go outside and be a guard dog (laughs) <laughs> oh, fun. Oh, but yeah, driving around town and, and taking care of my bees. And then I also, I take care of other people's bees too. So it's a lot of driving around and the back of my van gets trashed all the time from moving beehives and all my gear and like the smoker tipping over and spilling ash everywhere, propolis all I... over the place. <laughs> oh, I can't. I just look the gator which i go out to my my bee cottage where i store everything and load up for the day and put it in the gator and i tool around the property you know our hives are spread out we don't have them on one spot so i have some in the pollinator garden and some up in the front meadow and some out by the barn and others back in my educational area and we're moving out to the back seven acres next year so just keeping them really spread out and so you know, I sometimes think, oh, here I am back in the gator. And then I think, wow, Mandy's driving all over town. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes I drive 45 minutes to get to a client. And wow. it's hard because I'm at the point where I think, you know, for 2020, there are going to be people that I won't be able to go and help because the just the demands on my time are so great and uh and it just doesn't make sense from a business standpoint to to spend that much time driving to help somebody with their bees even though I want to help everybody right well I don't know if you find this too but every year and the older I get I find that my time is 
so much more valuable. It's yeah. it, compared to when I think back, even in my twenties, and you know, the days pass, it's carefree, and then thirties go by, and forties go by, and now in a couple years, I'm staring at fifty, and wow. you really are just I just embrace time, and it's so valuable, and really choosing how I use that time, and making sure that you know the activities that I'm you know involved in truly bring me joy. Um, life's too short. Yeah, life is really short. And I wonder when you first left your job as a teacher, was it hard for you to learn that mindset of doing the things that bring you joy? Um, I needed to learn that. Um, And I think that's the greatest gift that the bees have given me, um, in a sense, being a very... I guess, anal to a fault, type A, organized person, and just wanting everything perfect, you realize that, um, like I said, I was tired. I took a step back. And I'm like, well, now what do I do with my days? And you find yourself sometimes diving into those same, the same behaviors. And it's like, wait a minute, I'm not in control here. And truly learned with not only the bees, but even with the other animals, um, I play the role more of a facilitator. You know, I, I the honeybees know best. Who am I to say what yeah. happens in in, the, in a colony? I like to think I'm a guest and they will put up with me. Yeah. Um, but truly, I act as more of a facilitator and trust the workings of the hive and, and trust them and just step in when it's absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. And then they've given me the beautiful gift. It's like my therapy. And I don't know if you yeah, feel that way. I do. I've always felt like I have the best therapist in the world and her name is Mother Nature. Yeah. And I am happiest when I'm when I'm outside. And but the bees are the one time that my head is clear. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not multitasking in my head of a thousand things that need to be done. Mm-hmm. I'm just clear and it's almost I love yoga and meditation and I found that I don't meditate much anymore because my time with the bees is truly my oh it's almost a meditative state for me and I explain that to people and they say are you insane you know afraid you're stung and September can be rough and they're all kind of cranky but Uh, yeah you know (laughs) any other time it's truly just such amazing you know, experience. Yeah. I know for me, sometimes I can be having a day where I haven't slept well because I've been up for hours during the night, my mind buzzing on hundreds of different things that I need to do or that I'm planning to do. And then my husband and I, we adopted a child six years ago and we didn't realize it at the time, but he has um, fetal alcohol syndrome and uh, an array of neurodevelopmental disabilities. And while he is a very smart, articulate, brilliant child, he has some extremely challenging behaviors, and it has taken a very significant toll on our family life and my ability to even hold a regular job. And so... That is something in my life that, you know, is extremely draining. And right. I can be at a really low point and almost feel too tired to go and work with the bees. But I force myself to do it. 
And then, like you said, like when I'm in the beehive, my mind is clear because I'm in the moment. And afterwards, I feel relieved. (laughs) I feel like I've been lifted up. And my work with the bees, I think, has really helped me to weather this this storm in my life well as as an educator i'm i'm sure that you had kids that had similar afflictions where they simply could not control themselves because of, of right. the brain damage and it's it's a challenge and i always look at we're never given anything in life that we can't handle and so on those days that you are truly you know feeling like <sighs> can i do this you can you wouldn't be given this this gift, even if it's a really hard gift sometimes. Yeah. You wouldn't be given this gift if you weren't that perfect person to be able to weather that journey. But it does take a toll. And I think that's why the bees truly can be, you know, self-care. Mm-hmm. And when we take the time, whether it's bees or gardening or just to walk in the woods, when we take the time to replenish our spirit, I guess it not only allows us to heal, but it helps us better heal those around us because I guess when you think the relationship you have with yourself truly sets the tone for every other relationship in your life. So if we're good as moms and as beekeepers and as friends and daughters and sisters and spouses, if we're in a great place and we're strong and healthy, we can take care of all of those people around us. So, you know, like you, my bees are my, my replenishing time. Yeah. And, you know, this is so funny because you, I'm like totally shifting the, the conversation here, but you had a giveaway recently where you were giving away a copy of the honey bus by Meredith May. And right. I won the drawing. I was super excited. And, you know, you had written that the book really resonated with you. You know, it's a girl who was saved by the bees. And reading that, I felt that connectivity as well. And I just interviewed Meredith for the show. So I got to spend some time with her talking about her experience and finding healing from the bees and this feels full circle to me to be able to be talking with you now. And I just talked with her <laughs> magical, you know, it truly is. Yeah. Gosh, you're doing a lot with your bees. Do you want to talk about being a bee vital ambassador? Um, sure. Okay. It's, um, How did it, that end up happening? I actually didn't even start, um, and venture into the social media world until this was about a year ago in August. Um, I avoided it as long as I could. <laughs> You're so good at it. Yeah, but social media is tricky. Yeah. Um, it, it truly is. It, I, it, there are many good things about it. But as you know, it can come with some difficulties, too. Um, and I know we're kind of getting off tangent here. I, I'm, I should warn you. I should have warned you in the, in the beginning. I'm kind of like spaghetti. I'll start, and I must go in a thousand directions, but I will get back to the B-Vital. <laughs> I love tangents, and you know what? I've had listeners comment on certain episodes that, where they'll say, like, I love the tangents that you guys went off on, so 
bring on the spaghetti. <laughs> so here, a little spaghetti, and I'll get back to the main question. But social media was is a challenge, I think, for a person like myself who can be a perfectionist and tries not to be. And because um, you're out there and you're seeing all these, you know, beautiful sights and photography, and then you're seeing how people are doing things maybe differently than you might be doing things. And it's like I have to, it's like the record screeching, you know, to stop the record on the record player and say, whoa, 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 Rhoda, stop. And remind yourself of the little social media rules you set up for yourself when you said, fine, I will start a business site on Instagram, but I will remember these things, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to compare to anybody else, and I'm going to stay in my lane. And it's hard to stay in your lane sometimes but I'm going to try that and I'm going to make real connections because I think social media, I see it with my teenagers, see it with students, those real connections are lost. And I tell my kiddos all the time, you know, you can't have a relationship based on text messages. (laughs) You need to sit next to that person. You need to talk to them. You need to create memories with them. So, that was my other one. If I was going to be on social media, I was going to make sure that I was making connections, actually having real conversations with people, whether I see something they post and I reach out and private message and talk to them that way or... Um, or come on their podcast. <laughs> yeah. They know. When people message me about beekeeping questions, I say, well, first, just remember, this is what works for me. That doesn't mean it might work for you. But just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong, and that's a phrase that I live by. So trying to make connections that way and just keeping it real and authentic. Mm -hmm. And then the number one thing I think is most important for me is to remember using my social media tools or platforms to make an impact rather than to impress. I want to make a difference. I want to inspire people. That's that's very I, I don't advice. need to impress anyone. The only person I'm really in competition with is myself. I don't need any more competition with that because I'm hard <laughs> enough on myself as it is. So I think when I remind myself of those things, stay in my lane, don't compare. Oh, and then it's okay to remain a bit of a mystery. Mm-hmm. It is a business site for me. I don't kind of share a lot of personal things. Mm-hmm. I like people to see who I am and my quirky self, but... You know, I think it's okay to remain a bit of a mystery. And, you know, there's something about just keeping keeping your private life to yourself, too, um, and respecting my family and their wishes. My kids really don't probably want to be plastered all over my social media yeah. um, sites. So it's just a balance like everything else. But my spaghetti is coming back <laughs> to your question. <laughs> so when I started my site, the Vitals started following me, and I started following them and just really paying attention to their products and just, you know, learning about them. They're a company actually out of um, Austria. And I was really interested because all of my practices are, you know, natural, organic. Of course, I'm not going to treat for mites unless I have to. If my threshold is above, mm-hmm. recommend, recommending, of course, I... I'm not going to avoid treatment either because I, you know, when you look at the whole natural beekeeping philosophy, I like to live by that. But at the same time, the minute I committed to my sweet bees and put them in 
man-made boxes, I kind of threw the whole natural beekeeping thing out the window because we're not in the trunk of a tree anymore. So, you know, with that, I, if I do need a tree for Varroa, um, or if I do need to step in and feed, which I'm only going to do if absolutely necessary, um, we leave at least 80 pounds of honey in each of our hives to overwinter before we take any honey off. Mm-hmm. Um, but even with new colonies, if I need to feed because they don't have the honey they need to get through our long, crazy Michigan winters, it's like, what are some products out there that can help? And so they reached out to me about trying Be Strong, which is the product that's available in the U.S. And um, I have to say, it was really, I was really impressed. And I wouldn't commit to, of course, being an ambassador until I try their product and mm-hmm. really, you know, notice the difference. And I have to say, you know, I did. I did my own little experiments with hives that were in a similar situation. Okay, I'm going to feed them. Add be strong to my syrup on these hives and not on these. And I was fascinated with, you know, not only the product itself, where the the proteins in the product are actually from egg whites. So just looking at the makeup of it and saying, am I going to see a difference? And I did. And so I was willing to come on board and and support, you know, an all natural product, you know, that. I used my hives. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to be trying that product this upcoming year because I've seen, I've been following them online too, and it looks like it really, really does help that boost their brood and just give gives them like a vitamin almost. I I, I look at it. It's like their 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 health and wellness smoothie for the day. You yeah, know? <laughs> it's longer than that, but. I had to give you an example of what really sold me on on Be Strong. I had one of my like amazing colonies. It happened to be Queen Louise, who was my first colony. Now she's really Queen Louise the Fourth. But um, she um, she has always been just incredible, bursting from the seams. You know, just an amazing colony. And this we had a rough winter last winter, and this spring in March, when I popped open that hive to check on her, I'm like, oh my goodness, this, you know, mammoth hive is down to just really small numbers that mm. I look at my other hives that were more of an average size. We're starting to, you know, really make headway and already saying, wow, this cluster is looking great for March. And I'm looking at poor Louise going, what is going on? So immediately our temps were okay you start feeding and um i started be strong and said well let's see what can happen because i just i was shocked that this colony that has always been so strong would be like are you guys going to make it through the spring because in the winter when it's super cold they don't go through the resources when if we're going to lose bees in our area it's going to be march and april considering the dandelions don't bloom until the beginning of May. Um, so that's their first really guaranteed food source. Now, when the maple trees and the willows start to blossom, if the temps are warm enough for the bees to forage, it's great. And this spring, we had a couple warm weeks when everything alive beautifully. They packed in a ton of pollen from the trees. Some years, the year before, we had a massive snowstorm mid-April, oh. and they would have been stuck. So if they can get out and forage, it's great. If they can't, 
those are the months that are more detrimental and potentially, you know, we have losses in, you know, March and April mm-hmm. than in the winter, which knock on wood, I've yet to lose a hive. I keep crossing oh, for a colony. Oh, good job. Yeah. crossing my <laughs> fingers. But the day I do, you're going to see me crying like a baby in a fetal position. Oh, sure. But I know it'll happen. It's most likely will happen. It happens to all of us, right? So yes. I remind myself, it's okay. Yeah. So no, it's the I see spaghetti. I'm coming back. Now. Here we go. <laughs> so I started eating syrup and with be strong in it, and I was amazed within a month, going from a pathetically spotty brood pattern, and I'm like, okay, this was a new queen in the fall. Um, that's when Queen Louise the Fourth took over, and I'm like, you know, this should not be happening. And just the brood that happened to these gorgeous, perfect frames of brood, and just the amount of bees. And ironically, or maybe not ironically, I just tallied up all of my honey I took from each of the colonies, and Queen Louise was still, she's my reigning queen, we ended up harvesting almost 80 pounds of honey from her and that's leaving that's leaving about 80 pounds in her hive for the winter wow so to see my mecca hive in a sense and i have a few of them her offspring you know now that i'm you know using her as kind of my mother queen and her offspring and those hives are doing amazingly well too so the genetics are there and they want to hang on to so tightly so to open that up you're it's kind of like Oh, your stomach just hits the bottom, and I said, "Well, perfect timing. Let's let's try and see what happens." So yeah. I'm I'm sold. <laughs> it's it's awful to to lose a colony to starvation because it's preventable. Just right. the, the simple the simple act of giving them food. Right, and I look at it as much as I really dislike feeding sugar syrup. If it means losing an entire colony or feeding, I'm going to feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, even leaving 80 pounds of honey for each colony each winter, I still, because I'm a worry ward, I still have winter patties on top of that. Because yeah. I just, I can't help it. And I've seen where I've opened things up in March and it was so cold, there could be 40 or 50 pounds of honey left and you still see rows of starved little bees with their heads in little cells because they couldn't get to it. Mm. And that breaks your heart because just it's breaking that cluster to be able to to get where they need to be. So winter is tough here. I am the crazy lady every day that walks to each of my hives and puts my ear up next to it to listen to hear that buzz to know they're okay. Oh, you love them. I do. You're an excellent caretaker. Uh, Our winters here in Portland, like, we don't have long, cold winters. We don't have heavy snow, but every five years or so, usually we might get a dusting of snow in in the wintertime, and that's pretty much it. It's just really wet and cool. Wet is hard, too, though. Ugh, yeah. Yeah, so we have to deal with the moisture, but not the cold temperatures. I mean... I actually think the moisture is more difficult. We use a lot of quilt boxes and have to have the upper ventilation. Some beekeepers here say don't insulate your hives because it's going to trap too much moisture in there. I'm on the opposite side of that. I like to insulate them, but I have to have an upper entrance. I have to have a quilt box. 
you know, something to help yep. absorb all the moisture. I actually think moisture is worse. What I'm finding is the cold isn't what kills bees. It's moisture that kills mm-hmm. bees. And when I'm working with students here in our area, I always tell them, I said, there's two things, two pieces of equipment that are most important for your hive to be successful. In my opinion, now once again, what works for me here in our area might not work for other people, but for me, it's the slatter rack, which I is oh, a special uh-huh. and I have on all of my hives, and a hot box or a quilt box. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like if you spent this much, usually it's a money thing. Well, I don't want to spend any more money. I've spent this much money, or I'm like, no, 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 no. You're going to lose your bees, and you're going to be starting with nothing. So, just. If you're going to do it, go all the way. You know, a flatted rack is $18 through Man Lake. Yeah. Buy it. It's the best $18 you're going to ever spend. Go get your get your hot box, get your quilt box, because cold doesn't kill them. Moisture will. Yeah. Tell me about the slatted rack. What do you like about it? Uh, um, let me count the ways or the things <laughs> I love about the slatted rack. Um, but truly, it is my favorite, 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 favorite piece of equipment. And I get all excited and people look at me like I'm a nut. But in we go in Michigan, in our area, our summers can be 90 plus degrees with the humidity where you walk outside and you feel like you've hit a brick wall and you're sweating standing there. To the winters, which we can have, you know, three feet of snow on the ground, wind chills to negative 30. So we go from, and everything in between. Like yesterday, it was crazy humid, 83 degrees. Today, it's like 61 and we've had thunderstorms. Oh my so tomorrow it's snow. You never know. <laughs> Welcome to West Michigan. <laughs> so the slotted back in the winter gives that extra inch and a half of space between my screen bottom board, which of course I close off in the winter, mm-hmm. and um, and then that bottom deep. So for drafts and, you know, kind of trapping that cold air mm-hmm. in that space in the winter is helpful, but it's just as helpful in the summer when it's really hot, giving that extra air space and having that extra opening. It gives, you know, a little congregation area for the bees. And I do notice the queen then will lay all the way down to the bottom of each frame when that flatograph is in place. Oh. Which is about it. We all like, like eggs. So yeah. I'm all about more eggs. So yeah. see, my queens lay all the way to the bottom of every frame in that bottom deep um, because of that extra space, especially when it's warm season and there's tons of congestion. Mm -hmm. Just having that extra space there really helps with airflow, ventilation. So I'm just, I'm an advocate. Post-child okay. for the slatted rack. <laughs> now, I have a couple slatted racks that are not in use because I just wasn't really, I don't know, I didn't get excited about them, but I will put them on my hives and <laughs> I will get excited about them. <laughs> I just, I just love them. And looking at our seasons and the crazy moisture and the hot and the cold. You know, I know I'm the person that anything about 75, I feel like I'm dying. <sighs> so I'm all about airflow. And so I'm like, well, you know, the bees, I've got to think about how they're feeling right now, too. And yeah. so 
Yeah. I just find that it really helps, especially when those hives are just bursting from the seams at, at swarm time and in with that spring spring buildup. Mm-hmm. Um, anything to help with congestion. And, you know, the last thing I want is swarming. <laughs> so just staying on top of it. Join us for the second half of this conversation on the next episode of Beekeeper Confidential. But in the meantime, be sure to look for Rhoda and her bees on Facebook and Instagram by searching Indigo Acres Apiary. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, may the buzz be with you. Confidential is a Waggle Works production and is written and produced by Mandy Shaw.